Death of a Salesman, Act Two. Music is heard, gay and bright. The curtain rises as the music fades away. Willie, in shirt sleeves, is sitting at the kitchen table, sipping coffee, his hat in his lap. Linda is filling his cup when she can. Wonderful coffee. Meal in itself. Can I make you some eggs? No, take a breath. You look so tired, dear. I slept like a dead one, first time in months. Imagine sleeping till ten on a Tuesday morning. Boys left nice and early, huh? They were out here by eight o'clock. Good work. It was so thrilling to see them leaving together. I can't get over the shaving lotion in this house. Hmm. Biff was very changed this morning. His whole attitude seemed to be hopeful. He couldn't wait to go downtown to see Oliver. He's heading for a change. There's no question. There simply are certain men that take longer to get solidified. How did he dress? His blue suit. He's so handsome in that suit. He could be uh, anything in that suit. Willie gets up from the table. Linda holds his jacket for him. There's no question. No question at all. Gee, on the way home tonight, I'd like to buy some seeds. Linda laughing. That'd be wonderful. But not enough sun gets back there. Nothing grows there. You wait, kid. Before it's all over, we're going to get a little place out in the country. And I'll raise some vegetables. A couple of chickens. You do it yet, dear. Willie walks out of his jacket. Linda follows him. And they'll get married and come for a weekend. I'll build a little guest house. Because i got so many fine tools. All I need would be a little lumber and some peace of mind. Linda joyfully... I sold the lining. I could build two guest houses so they both come. Did he decide how much he's going to ask Oliver for? Linda, getting him into his jacket. He didn't mention it, but I imagine ten or fifteen thousand. You going to talk to Howard today? Yeah. I'll put it to him straight and simple. He'll just have to take me off the road. And Willie, don't forget to ask for a little advance, because we've got the insurance premium. It's the grace period now. That's a hundred? A hundred and eight, sixty-eight. Because we're a little short again. Why are we short? Well, you had the motor job on the car. That goddamn Studebaker. And you got one more payment on the refrigerator. But it just broke again. Well, it's old, dear. I told you we should have bought a well-advertised machine. Charlie bought a General Electric and it's twenty years old and it's still good. That son of a bitch. But Willie, whoever heard of a Hastings refrigerator? Once in my life, I would like to own something outright before it's broken. I'm always in a race with the junkyard. I just finished paying for the car, and it's on its last legs. The refrigerator consumes belts like a goddamn maniac. Oh, they time those things. They time them so that when you finally pay for them, they're used up. Linda, buttoning up his jacket as he unbuttons it, all told, about $200 would carry us, dear. But that includes the last payment on the mortgage. After this payment, Willie, the house belongs to us. It's 25 years. Biff was nine years old when we bought it. Well, that's a great thing. To weather a 25-year mortgage is... It's an accomplishment. All the cement, the lumber, the reconstruction I put into this house, there ain't a crack to be found in it anymore. Well, it served its purpose. What purpose? Some stranger will come along, move in, and that's that. 
only Biff would take this house and raise a family, he starts to go. Goodbye, I'm late. Linda, suddenly remembering, oh, I forgot, you're supposed to meet them for dinner. Me? At Frank's Chop House on 48 near 6th Avenue. Is that so? How about you? No, just the three of you. They're going to blow you to a big meal. Don't say. Who thought of that? Biff came to me this morning, Willie, and he said, Tell Dad we want to blow him to a big meal. Be there six o'clock. You and your two boys are going to have dinner. Gee whiz, that's really something. I'm going to knock Howard for a loop, kid. I'll get an advance, and I'll come home with a New York job. God damn it, now I'm going to do it. Oh, that's a spirit, Willie. I will never get behind a wheel the rest of my life. It's changing, Willie. I can feel it changing. Beyond a question. Goodbye, I'm late. He starts to go again. Linda calling after him as she runs to the kitchen table for a handkerchief. You got your glasses? Willie feels for them, then comes back in. Yeah, yeah, got my glasses. Linda giving him the handkerchief. And a handkerchief? Yeah, a handkerchief. And your saccharin? Yeah, my saccharin. Be careful on the subway stairs. She kisses him, and a silk stocking is seen hanging from her hand. Willie notices it. Will you stop mending stockings, at least while I'm in the house? It gets me nervous. I can't tell you. Please. Linda hides the stocking in her hand as she follows Willie across the floor stage in front of the house. Remember? Frank's chop house. Willie, crossing the backyard. Maybe beets would grow out there. Linda laughing. But you tried so many times. Yeah, well, don't work hard today. He disappeared around the left corner of the house. Be careful. As Willie vanishes, Linda waves to him. Suddenly the phone rings. She runs across the stage and into the kitchen and lifts it. Hello? Oh, Biff, I'm so glad you called. I just... Yes, sure. I just told him. Yes, he'll be there for dinner at six o'clock. I didn't forget. Listen, I was just dying to tell you. You know that little rubber pipe I told you about that he connected to the gas heater? I finally decided to go down to the cellar this morning and take it away and destroy it. But it's gone. Imagine. He took it away himself. It isn't there. She listens. When? Oh, then you took it. Oh, nothing. It's just that I'd hoped he'd taken it away himself. Oh, I'm not worried, darling, because this morning he left in such high spirits. It was like the old days. I'm not afraid anymore. Did Mr. Oliver see you? Well, you wait there then, and make a nice impression on him, darling. Just don't perspire too much before you see him, and have a nice time with Dad. He may have some big news, too. That's right, a New York job. And be sweet to him tonight, dear. Be loving to him. Because he's only a little boat looking for a harbor. She is trembling with sorrow and joy. Oh, that's wonderful, Biff. You'll save his life. Thanks, darling. Just put your arm around him when he comes into the restaurant. Give him a smile. That's the boy. Goodbye, dear. You got your comb? That's fine. Goodbye, Biff, dear. While Linda is speaking, the light on her is fading. At the same time, light is rising upon a young, fashionably dressed businessman who is appearing on the right side of the stage, close to the audience. He is Howard Wagner, Willie's boss, 
and he is pushing on a small rolling table on which is a wire recorder. The light on Linda, and on the entire kitchen and house, blacks out, leaving Howard Wagner alone on the stage, plugging in his machine. As we shall see in a moment, we are in his office, for even now Willie has stuck his head in, and in his most devil-may-care manner, psst, psst. Hello, Willie? Come in. Like to have a little talk with you, Howard. Sorry to keep you waiting. I'll be with you in a minute. What's that, Howard? Didn't you ever see one of these? Wire recorder. Oh, can we talk a minute? Records things. Just got delivery yesterday. Been driving me crazy. The most terrific machine I ever saw in my life. I was up all night with it. What do you do with it? I bought it for dictation. But you can do anything with it. Listen to this. I had it home last night. Listen to what I picked up. The first one is my daughter. Get this. He flicks the switch and roll out the barrel is heard being whistled. Listen to that kid whistle. That is lifelike, isn't it? Seven years old. Get that tone? I'd like to ask you a little favor. The whistling breaks off and the voice of Howard's daughter is heard. Now you, Daddy. She's crazy for me. Again, the same song is whistled. That's me, <laughs> he winks. You're very good. The whistling breaks off again. The machine runs silent for a moment. Shh, get this now. This is my son. The capital of Alabama is Montgomery. The capital of Arizona is Phoenix. The capital of Arkansas is Little Rock. The capital of California is Sacramento. And on and on. Howard holding up five fingers. Five years old, Willie. He'll make an announcer someday. His son continuing. The capital? Get that alphabetical order. The machine breaks off suddenly. Wait a minute. The maid kicked the plug out. It certainly is a... Shh, for God's sake. It's nine o'clock. Bull of a watch time. So I have to go to sleep. That really is... Wait a minute. The next is my wife. They wait. Go on, say something. Well, you going to talk? I can't, I can't think of anything. Well, talk. It's turning. His wife, shyly, beaten. Hello? Silence. Oh, Howard, I can't talk into this. Howard, snapping the machine off. That was my wife. That is a wonderful machine. Can we? I tell you, Willie, I'm going to take my camera and my bandsaw and all my hobbies, and out they go. This is the most fascinating relaxation I ever found. I think I'll get one myself. Sure, there are only a hundred and a half. You can't do without it, supposing you want to hear Jack Benny, see? But you can't be at home at that hour, so you tell the maid to turn the radio on when Jack Benny comes on, and this automatically goes on with the radio. And when you come home, you... You can come home... 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, anytime you like, and you get yourself a Coke, you sit yourself down, throw the switch, and there's Jack Benny's program in the middle of the night. I'm definitely going to get one. Because lots of times I'm, I'm on the road and I think to myself, what I must be missing on the radio. Don't you have a radio in your car? Well, yeah, but who thinks about turning it on? Say, aren't you supposed to be in Boston? That's what I want to talk to you about, Howard. You got a minute? He draws a chair in from the wing. What happened? What are you doing here? Well, 
You didn't crack up again, did you? Oh, no, no. Jeez, you had me worried there for a minute. What's the trouble? Well, to tell you the truth, Howard, I've come to the decision that I'd rather not travel anymore. Not travel? Well, what'll you do? Remember Christmas time when you had the party here? You said you, you'd try to think of some spot for me here in town. With us? Well, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Well, I couldn't think of anything for you, Willie. I tell you, Howard, the kids are all grown up, you know. I don't need much anymore. If I could take home, well, $65 a week, I could swing it. Yeah, but, Willie, see, I... I, t I tell you why, Howard. Speaking frankly and between the two of us, you know, I'm just a little tired. Oh, I can understand that, Willie. But you're a road man, Willie, and we do a road business. We've only got a half dozen salesmen on the floor here. God knows, Howard, I never asked a favor of any man. But I was with the firm when your father used to carry you in his arms right there. I know that, Willie, but your father came to me the day you were born and asked me what I thought of the name Howard. May he rest in peace. I appreciate that, Willie, but there just is no spot here for you. If I had a spot, I'd slam you right in it but I just don't have a single solitary spot. He looks for his lighter. Willie has picked it up and gives it to him. Willie, with increasing anger, Howard, all I need to set my table is $50 a week. But where am I going to put you, kid? Look, it isn't a question of whether I can sell merchandise, is it? No, no, but it's a business, kid, and everybody's got to pull his own weight. Willie, desperately, just let me tell you a story, Howard. Because you got to admit, business is business. Willie, angrily, business is definitely business. But just listen for a minute. You don't understand this. When I was a boy, 18, 19, I was already on the road. And there was a question in my mind as to whether selling had a future in it for me. Because in those days, I had a yearning to go to Alaska. See, there were... Three gold strikes in one month in Alaska, and I felt like getting going out. Just for the ride, you might say. Howard, barely interested. Don't say. Oh, yeah, my father lived many years in Alaska. He was an adventurous man. We've got quite a little streak of self-reliance in our family. I thought I'd go out with my older brother and try to locate him and maybe settle in the north with the old man. And I was almost decided to go. When I met a salesman in the Parker house, his name was Dave Singleman, and he was 84 years old, and he drummed merchandise in 31 states. And old Dave, he'd go up to his room, you understand, put on his green velvet slippers, I'll never forget, and pick up his phone and call the buyers. And without ever leaving his room, at the age of 84, he made his living. And when I saw that, I realized that selling was the greatest career a man could want. Because what more could a man be satisfied with than be able to go at the age of 84 into 20 or 30 different cities and pick up a phone and be remembered and loved and helped by so many different people? Do you know when he died, and by the way, he died the death of a salesman in his green velvet slippers, in the smoker of the New York, New Haven, Hartford, going into Boston, when he died, hundreds of salesmen and buyers at his funeral. Things were sad on a lot of trains for months after that. He stands up. 
Howard has not looked at him. In those days, there was personality in it, Howard. There was respect, comradeship, gratitude in it. Today, it's all cut and dried. There's no chance for bringing friendship to bear or personality. You see what I mean? They don't know me anymore. Howard, moving away to the right. That's just the thing, Willie. If I had $40 a week, that's all I need. $40, Howard. Kid, I can't take blood from a stone. I, Willie, desperation is on him now. Howard, the year Al Smith was nominated, your father came to me and... Howard, starting to go off. I've got to see some people, kid. Willie, stopping him. I'm talking about your father. There were promises made across his desk. You mustn't tell me you've got people to see. I put 34 years into this firm, Howard, and now I can't pay my fucking insurance. You can't eat the orange and throw the peel away. A man is not a piece of fruit. After a pause. Now pay attention. Your father. In 1928, I had a big year. I averaged $170 a week in commissions. Howard impatiently. Now, Willie, you never averaged. Willie, banging his hand on the desk. I averaged $170 a week in the year of 1928. And your father came to me, or rather, I was in the office here. It was right over this desk, and he put his hand on my shoulder. Howard, getting up. You have to excuse me, Willie. I gotta see some people. Pull yourself together. Going out. I'll be back in a little while. On Howard's exit, the light on his chair grows very bright and strange. Pull myself together. What the hell did I say to him? My God, I was yelling at him. How could I? Willie breaks off, staring at the light which occupies the chair, animating it. He approaches this chair, standing across the desk from it, Frank, Frank, don't you remember what you told me that time? How you put your hand on my shoulder? And Frank, he leans on the desk, and as he speaks the dead man's name, he accidentally switches on the recorder, and instantly, Howard's son, of New York is Albany, the capital of Ohio is Cincinnati, the capital of Rhode Island is, the recitation continues, Willie leaping away with fright, shouting, Ha! Ah, Howard, Howard! Howard! Howard rushing in. What happened? Willie, pointing at the machine, which continues nasally, childishly, with the capital cities. Shut it off! Shut it off! Howard, pulling the plug out. Look, Willie. Willie, pressing his hands to his eyes. I gotta get myself some coffee. I'll get some coffee. Willie starts to walk out. Howard stops him. Howard, rolling up the court. Willie, look. I'll go to Boston. Willie, you can't go to Boston for us. Why can't I go? I don't want you to represent us. I've been meaning to tell you for a long time now. Howard, are you firing me? I think you need a, a good long rest, Willie. Howard, and, and when you feel better, come back, and we'll see if we can work something out. But i got to earn money, Howard. I'm in no position to... Where are your sons? Why don't your sons give you a hand? They're working on a very big deal. This is no time for false pride, Willie. You've got to go to your sons, and you tell them that you're tired. You've got two great boys, haven't you? Oh, no question, no question. But in the meantime, then that's that, eh? All right. I'll go to Boston tomorrow. No, no. I can't throw myself on my sons. I'm not a cripple. Look, kid, 
I'm busy this morning. Willie, grasping Howard's arm. Howard, you gotta let me go to Boston. Howard, hard, keeping himself under control. I've got a line of people to see this morning. Sit down, take five minutes and pull yourself together and then go home, will ya? I need the office, Willie. He starts to go, turns, remembering the recorder, starts to push off the table holding the recorder. Oh yeah, oh yeah, whenever you can this week, stop by and drop off the samples. You'll feel better, Willie. And then come back and we'll talk. Pull yourself together, kid. There's people outside. Howard exits, pushing the table off. Willie, quickly surrounded by darkness, stares into space, exhausted. Now the music is heard, Ben's music, first distantly, then closer, closer. As Willie speaks, Ben appears just as Willie always remembered him, carrying valise and umbrella. <laughs>